So let's dig in here. Verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. So this is uh, rich, folks. Very powerful scene we have here. So here's Lazarus. The man was dead for four days, and now he's sharing a meal. And you imagine this with uh, Jesus Christ, the very one who raised him from the dead. Martha is serving, and Mary, uh, she takes this very expensive ointment, and she's wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. It's the love uh, that Mary had uh, toward Jesus. So what a, what a powerful scene we have here. A man who was dead for four days, and now he's just going through uh, life as if uh, everything's back to normal. Let's go to verse 4. It says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. So uh, Judas Iscariot, a very well-known name, uh, not too many people named their uh, children Judas, uh, as far as I know. So here's this man, he sees this ointment uh, being used on Jesus, and, and it gave off a powerful odor, very expensive ointment, and he wanted to know, why, why, why didn't we take this uh, ointment and, and sell it? It could, it could have been given uh, to the poor. So it's basically saying it's almost like you're wasting it. Why are you doing this? And the, the scriptures make it clear that Judas said this not because he really cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. This man was the treasurer for, for the disciples. And in that bag, uh, they, they would have the money that would provide uh, for the disciples and also for the poor when they wanted to help uh, the poor people. So Judas wanted to know how come uh, it wasn't sold. And he mentioned uh, a figure of 300 pence, which would be uh, 300 uh, pennies or uh Pennyworth, that's the word denarian in the Greek. Sometimes it's penny or pennyworth or pence. Obviously, it's not uh, the same penny we have today, which would be very little. So if you want to get a, a perspective on how much that was, if you, if you look in Matthew uh, chapter 20 and verse 2, it says, And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So when the Lord told the parable of the vineyard, uh, they agreed to work for a penny a day. So we're looking at 300 uh, work days with, uh, th in 300 pence. So that's in that time, obviously, it was a lot of money. So this was expensive uh, perfume, if you would, an ointment that Mary was using. And we see the heart right there of Judas being exposed, being revealed. Uh, we'll see in, uh, the, in the next chapter, we'll see how uh, the devil, Satan, put it in the heart uh, of Judas to betray 
Jesus Christ. So uh, this happens, folks. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. This goes on in the church world today. Uh, people, it's the love of money that controls people. And many people are not what they appear to be. Many people begin good and end bad, end real bad. And that is the case with this person that we know as Judas Iscariot. My, oh my. So, as I said, he carried the bag. He was the treasurer. So, that was where the money uh, would be kept, as I said, the money that would uh, provide for them and for the poor. So let's go to verse 7. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. So the Lord responded uh, to this man, Judas when he said, why wasn't this uh, sold, given to the poor? We could have made some money off of this. And here's the Lord basically telling him, she's doing this to prepare uh, for my death in the preparation. Now, obviously, uh, Mary did not know why she was doing this. You know, she, she, this was the love that she had toward Jesus. Don't forget, uh, Jesus raised her brother, Lazarus, uh, from the dead. But basically what we have here is the Lord prophesying uh, that this is why she's doing what she is doing. Verse 9, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So, people obviously heard that Lazarus was there. He was in town. They, they heard the story about him being raised from the dead. There was a there was a, a bit of a crowd. They wanted to uh, see. They wanted to see this man. Uh, not only did they want to uh, see Jesus, but they also wanted to see this man Lazarus, who got back up from the dead. So, look look what it says here. It says, "But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death." So. They've only already made uh, plans. They're plotting to put Christ to death, and they realize, you know, we're going to kill this guy too. This is incredible. We, we, got, we have to knock him off too. Why did they want to do that? The scriptures make it clear because that by reason of him, of Lazarus getting up from the dead, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. I mean, you would think that uh, the, the unbelieving Jewish people, that there would have came a, a point uh, in, in, in what was going on here that they realized, hey, you know, this guy has power to raise people from the dead. And, and if he has that power and, and, and he's who uh, he says he is, we got a problem. But that's not what happened. They, they were so religious, their minds were so blinded by Satan, the God of this world, that all they were interested in 
was knocking him off too so that they could keep their place. They didn't want things to change. So uh, Jesus Christ was upsetting the apple cart by uh, what he was doing, by what he was preaching. So that is why they wanted to knock this guy off too. Hard to believe. He gets back up from the dead after four days and they said, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him again. That is exactly what was going on there. Let's go to verse 12. On the next day, much people that would come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So uh, don't miss this truth that many recognized Jesus for who he was. They believed that he was the Messiah. They acknowledged him to be the king of Israel. Verse 14, And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Sion, or Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's cult, these things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and, then, and that they had done these things unto him. So what we have here is an awesome prophecy that was fulfilled uh, to the very letter prophesying concerning Jesus Christ uh, coming into town. He's coming into town as a king. And that's exactly uh, what that is talking about. Interesting that the, um, the disciples, they, they didn't understand this actually, ladies and gentlemen, until Christ had been killed, uh, until he was buried, rose again from the dead, and ascended into heaven. So it was after he was glorified that the scriptures came alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they understood and said, wow, this is what this means. You know, you can, you can study the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, and there are so many prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. So uh, that's what happened there, and they realized, wow, this is, this is, this is what happened. It was prophesied right here, and I'm going to show you uh, a scripture that they uh, probably looked at, Zechariah, uh, Zechariah 9, uh, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the fall of an ass. Wow, incredible prophecy fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. That should put joy in your heart, folks. This Bible, it's a unified book. Old Testament, New Testament, there's unity. And, and it uh, elevates uh, the person of Jesus Christ. When, when you study the scriptures and you see how these things were fulfilled uh, in him, your faith will come alive. It will boost your faith, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I hope that's what's taking place as you study uh, the Word of God. Verse 17, Gospel of John. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, 
the world is gone after him. So people uh, were lying in the streets. His Jesus, King Jesus coming into town. So the Jewish Messiah, he arrived right on time. You know, uh, you can go to a, a, say if you went to Penn Station in New York City, and you can go get a timetable. You want to know uh, what time a certain train is leaving, and you're going to go find out what time, what, what, uh, where it is, how you can hop on that train, and it's going to tell you what time the train departs, what time it's supposed to arrive, and so on and so forth. So uh, this is how it was, ladies and gentlemen. This uh, prophecy was fulfilled uh, exactly when it was supposed to be fulfilled. You know, the Jewish Messiah has already come, and yet in, in, in the modern day, the majority of Jewish people continue to reject the person of Jesus Christ. Very clear. Uh, no two ways about it. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They don't believe he's Lord. They do not believe that he is the Son of God. That is the truth. So, you know, Many years ago, I remember seeing a bus more than once, uh, those big buses, you know how they have the uh, advertisements on the side, and, and it covers the whole bus. And um, I, I remember, you know, seeing a bus, it, it had a, a, a rabbi, Menachem, uh, Menachem Schneerson, and, uh, you know, many people believe that he was the Messiah. The Jews, uh, many held him up to be the Messiah. Now think about that. That's a man. I remember a picture on that bus, a big uh, beard, a gray beard of, of this Rabbi Schneerson riding around. No, no, think about that, that the true Messiah has already come, yet he is still rejected, unfortunately. Let's go to verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus, and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So, so these uh, Greeks, these Gentiles, they, they came up to uh, worship at the feast. We know that there was the court of the Gentiles uh, within the temple there. It doesn't go into great detail who these people were, but they came. They wanted to see Jesus, but we, we see Jesus simply says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Jesus knew that his time upon the earth was short. Oh, yes. So he, he, he's preparing He's preparing to die. And, and as he's preparing to die, you will find him continually ministering to his followers, uh, evangelizing them, imploring them to put their faith in him. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat or a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So, here once again the Lord is talking about dying, a grain of wheat. 
So you, you put a, a grain of wheat uh, in the ground, it, it will germinate. Basically, it dies, but then it comes forth. It brings forth fruit, brings forth much fruit. And this, this work is done out of sight. You don't see what's taking place. But when, when it springs up, that's when you're going to see the result of putting that grain of wheat into the ground, and this is obviously Christ speaking of his death. It's a type of the death of Christ, an illustration, okay? He must die, but there's going to be a harvest that will come forth as a result. It has to do with the cross of Christ. Those who would put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going uh, to be put to death. He's going to the cross, but it means everlasting life for the believer. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Talking about the, the believer putting their faith in the Lord, uh, and, and, and Christ becomes everything. And, and you realize this world is not our home. For those who put their faith in Christ and they're truly born again of the Spirit, you suddenly realize you're an alien, you're a stranger. This world is not your home. Your focus is upon the Lord, folks. We see how quickly uh, this life passes by. The years just fly by. And before you know it, you're old. <laughs> and, and, and you know you don't have much time left. But, but for the Christian, there's a joy in the heart that uh, it's another day closer to see King Jesus. This, this is what it's all about. Verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. So, once again, here's the Lord praying, and he's talking to the Father. And he tells the Father, Father, glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. And then a voice came from heaven. And the voice said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And some people said that it thundered. It probably did. It thundered. Think about this, uh, the, how dramatic this was. And others said an angel spake to him. They heard something. All right. So uh, whatever happened, folks, it, it was totally dramatic. And the Lord made it clear once again that this voice, it didn't come uh, because of him. The Lord had a relationship with the Father. There was unity, but this was for the sake of those who were watching. Once again, we see a distinction between the Father and the Son, and Jesus let them know that that, that, that was done for your sake. Wow, what a scene that must have been verse 31 now is the judgment of this world now shall the prince of this world be cast out and i if i be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me this he said signifying what death he should die the people answered him we've heard out of the lord that christ abideth forever and how sayest thou the son of man must be lifted up who is this son of man. 
So, the Lord's talking about the judgment of this world. Obviously, this is not talking about the, the, the final day of judgment, but basically when, when the prince of this world, speaking of the devil, when he's going to be a judge, you know, at the cross, the Lord making, made an open spectacle over, over all demon powers, ladies and gentlemen. So he's talking about his death upon the cross, uh, the great victory, uh, his resurrection, and, and, and we're going to have the Holy Spirit poured out. So this is the, the, what he's talking about there. And remember that Jesus said he came not to judge the world, but to save the world. So that was uh, what, what, they, what was taking place there. And, and, and the people, you know, uh, they, they wanted to know, what are you talking about? They knew what it meant to be lifted up. So they said, you know, we heard that Christ abideth or Messiah lives forever. So how are you saying the Son of Man uh, be lifted up or crucified? Who, who is this Son of Man? So they couldn't comprehend what was going to take place, that Christ was about to die uh, for the world, for, for, for the sins of, of mankind. They, they couldn't comprehend it at that point. So verse 35, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. So the Lord continued to, to evangelize. This is what's uh, taking place here. He's the light of the world. He's, he's saying, walk while you have the light. Let's darkness come upon you. When a person has been truly uh, born again, folks, the light of Christ is within you. This is, this is why you uh, suddenly can understand things in the Bible, things in the scriptures. It's because you have the light. You have the spirit of the living God within you. You've been born again of the spirit. You've been regenerated. And uh, this is what the Lord is talking about. Believe in the light. is the light of the world. We are children of light when we have faith in the Lord and we've been born again of the Spirit. Oh yes, that's what it's talking about there. So verse 37, it says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Esaias, or Isaiah the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? So, when you think about all of the miracles that were done by Christ before them, so many miracles, I mean, so many healings took place. People were delivered of demons. People were raised from the dead. We have the miracle of the loaves and the fishes where thousands upon thousands were fed. We have the miracle where, where the Lord calmed the raging storm with three words, peace, be still. But all of that did nothing for many. It says that yet they believed not on him. And this was another fulfillment of prophecy that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Lord, who hath believed our report?
port. Let me give you part of Isaiah chapter 53, which is what it is talking about there. This prophecy, if you read the whole uh, chapter 53 verses 1 to 12 on your own time, I'm just going to give you uh, the first three verses to show you uh, what was taking place here, what was fulfilled. Isaiah 53 verses 1 to 3, it says, Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness and when when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Wow. So here we have this about 700 years before Christ came. This prophecy was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He was despised. He had no beauty. Uh, he just looked like every other Jewish man uh, of that particular age at that time. And they were expecting this uh, royalty to come marching into town. But Christ came. Here's the word made flesh. Think about that. God in the flesh walking the earth. And they would not have it. They rejected him. So that's what that is all about. Isaiah the prophet, even in his own time, preached the word of God, and he too was rejected. So here we have the New Testament fulfillment of Christ being rejected by his own Jewish people. Verse 39, Therefore they could not believe, because that Esaias, or Isaiah, said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Esaias, Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Uh, don't miss this, folks. Particularly, Verse 41 is what I want you to see here. Uh, we're talking about John chapter 12, verse 41, one of the most powerful verses in the scripture. We're talking about Isaiah, the prophet. And it says here, these things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Who's he talking about here? It is quite clear that he's talking about the person of Jesus Christ. It's exactly uh, what this is saying here, folks. And when you get this, when you see uh, what, what took place, Isaiah saw Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you what this is talking about. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain or two, he covered his faith, face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain or two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. 
Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. So we have this scene. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ sitting upon a throne. Hallelujah. You look up that word, Lord, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, Jehovah, Jehovah. We're talking about God Almighty. Isaiah saw him sitting upon the throne. Keep in mind, he's talking about Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John. We see the holiness of God. We see these angelic beings, the seraphims, six wings, the covering their face, two with a cover the face, two to cover the feet, and the other two to fly. And what, what are they saying? They're saying, holy, holy, holy. We see the triunity of the eternal Godhead right there, clear as a bell. And what is his reaction? Woe is me, for I am undone. He, he probably said, this is it, it's curtains for me. He saw the holiness of Almighty God. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. His, his own sinfulness came upon him. He, he felt undone. He says, I, that's it, I'm undone. He says, and I live in the midst. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He knew everybody else around him uh, was just as undone as he was. Oh, Yes, you know, I remember when I came to know the Lord, you know, you, you, you realize who Christ is. When you get a picture of the deity of Jesus Christ, the divinity of Christ, you, you, you will never be the same. And, and you realize, you know, you realize God is holy. You, you're lost. You don't deserve anything. But you also at the same time realize that everyone else is in the same situation. Those who uh, surround you to the right and to the left, they don't even know the Lord. But you know they're undone without the Lord. And that's, that's exactly why we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you get a revelation of who Christ is, in my own case, you, you're not going to be praying Hail Mary prayers anymore, folks. The rosary beads went out the window when I came to know the Lord. Oh, yes. So, um, you know... <laughs> When you talk about being born again and you continue uh, in your religiosity and you continue uh, following the teachings and doctrines of men, there's something wrong, you see? Because when you get a revelation of, of who Christ is, if you're truly born again and you realize the divinity, the deity of Jesus Christ, you're not going to be uh, sowing uh, totus tuus sumaria like Pope John Paul II did, Mary, I am totally yours. You're not going to be doing that if you truly know the Lord. Don't ever forget that, folks. We're talking about the holiness of Almighty God. We're talking about who Jesus Christ truly is. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. So what I'm going to do now, I'm just going to give you a couple of cross-references to tie this together. I want to show you who that person was that was sitting upon the throne, folks, that it was, in fact, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm doing here. So it says, Thus saith the Lord, we're talking about Yahweh, the King of Israel. We know Christ is the King of Israel. We know He's the Redeemer. We know He's the Lord of hosts. And it says here, I am the first 
and I am the last. I'm going to show you that that is referring to Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. It said, beside me, there is no God. I mean, this is deity. Beside me, there is no God. You should say, glory to God. Hallelujah. As we get this understanding of who Christ is. In the New Testament, Revelation verse uh, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Uh, this is the Apostle John, the same one who wrote the gospel that I'm reading to you today. He said, and when I saw him, meaning Christ, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Powerful uh, scripture. Uh, this confirms. So we saw in, in, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 44, verse 6, uh, that the Lord was the first and the last and he said beside me there is no God and now we have here in the book of Revelation uh, he says I am he that liveth and was dead so the first and the last he says I am he that liveth and was dead who's that speaking about obviously it's speaking about Christ he said and behold I am alive forevermore this Christ folks the, the one we know he has the keys of hell and of death so uh, keep in mind, this was written, John was on the Isle of Patmos, exiled, persecuted for the, for, the, for the word of God, for his testimony, because he preached the very word of God that I'm speaking to you today. So you can be saved, ladies and gentlemen. This Jesus that I'm talking to you about today, he, he, he desires you to be saved. That's what he wants. He came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost, okay? So I was formerly lost, but well, I put my faith in him, so now I know the Lord, I'm saved, okay? I know uh, this to be true, and this is why I'm speaking the word to you today. Another cross-reference, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead, and is alive. So I want to I want, I really bring this home to you folks, that the first and the last who we already saw is Almighty God. He's saying here, which was dead and is alive. You see? He partook of our humanity. This, the, the divine nature is sent down from above, partook of our humanity. Glory to God. Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 11, we've, we see here that the Alpha and Omega says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. I want to I show you here that the first and the last is also called the Alpha and the Omega. So now go back a few verses, Revelation 1, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. T. Oh, yes. So, the Alpha and Omega we know is the first and the last, the beginning and the ending. Look at this. It says he's the Almighty. So, we're talking the deity of Jesus Christ. This is, this is heavy-duty stuff, folks. Why is this important? Well, you know, when you think of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the people from the Watchtower Society, they believe that Jesus Christ was created. Oh, yes. They don't, they don't believe in the deity of Christ the way the Christian does. 
They don't believe in the triunity of the eternal Godhead. I told you the story. Uh, you know, I happened to meet a man. Uh, I was in a hotel in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, uh, you know, having a little yogurt in the morning. Next thing you know, I realized the, the man was a Jehovah's Witness. I said something to him, and and, and, and the battle was on, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, at one point, I told you, he, um, he took a napkin, and he drew, drew three little triangles. And, and he looked at me, and he says, okay, he says, this is, this is the Father. You say, this is the Son. All right, you say, this is the Holy Spirit. And you say, they're all God. And then he said, that's nonsensical. That's what he said. So, so the scriptures that I'm giving you here, ladies and gentlemen, were some of the references that I gave to this man. Very, very nice conversation we had, by the way. And this is what I want you to know, folks, that you can be uh, assured that the Christ that you know is the same Christ that came down from above and went to that cross for you. This is the Christ who emptied his veins of his blood because of his love for you. This is the Christ who got back up again from the dead. Glory to God. And this is the one you can know. He wants you to be saved. And, 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 and very important, obviously it's not only the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, that you need to be dealing with. It. People like um, the, the Mormons, I, I believe they uh, believe Jesus Christ to be the uh, spirit brother of Lucifer. And then you have the Jewish people, which we're uh, talking about here today. They refuse to believe uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord. They do not believe he's the Messiah obviously and uh, this is what we're dealing with the people of Islam they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God oh my they don't believe that they believe he's nothing more than a prophet so then you can take all the religions of the world you have the Hindus Buddhists and so on and so forth the bottom line is this folks that that the deity the divinity um of Christ. It's the bedrock of our Christian faith. This is not just some man uh, that decided to go to a cross. This was Yahweh, God in the flesh, the Word made flesh that went to that cross. He did it for us. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He got back up from the dead. Glory to God. And the prophets spoke of him. And the, the scriptures are unified in what I am testifying to you this day. Glory to God. Verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. God. So here we have the hierarchy. There were people amongst the chief rulers, the chief rabbis, if you would. Many believed on him. That's what it says here. Because of everything that they saw, but, and here's the big but. We saw this before with, with the parents of the, of the man who was healed uh, that, that, of his blindness. Uh, they, they didn't confess Christ. They said, ask him. They said, go ask our son. And it said, uh, they, they did that because they feared the Jews. They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. And here we have the same thing all over again. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God, folks. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're declaring yourself to be a believer, 
<laughs> you, you you must confess Christ. This is where the rubber meets the road, as as they say. Uh, you, you can't you can't be uh, hiding uh, the, the Christ within you, the Spirit of the Living God, uh, because they were more concerned. They wanted the approval of, of the of the unbelievers. Can you imagine this? They're saying that they, that they believe on Him, but they would not confess Him. Now let, let's not forget what. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 10, verse 32 to 33, he said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now we know that there are instances, you know, where, where the Lord is ministering to people that people might be a secret believer we saw this in Nicodemus you know the Lord works inside the heart but but the bottom line is that there has to come a point if you're a believer that you're gonna confess Christ oh yes you know this is where you know relationships might be soured because of your belief because of your faith in Christ but that's okay keep in mind folks that one day each and every one of us we're going to die, and we're going to stand before God one day. God knows the heart. So my, my advice to you is, is give it all for the Lord. Forget about what others think, uh, think about you folks, especially young people. You know, they talk about peer pressure. This, this is it right here, folks, the peer pressure. You're afraid, afraid to confess Jesus Christ. Forget about what your friends think about you. My word for you today, not only young, but for the uh, older, middle-aged, old. Here's the word for you today day who cares who cares what your friends think care about what the Lord Jesus Christ think care about what God thinks he's the one you're gonna stand before in the end folks keep that in mind you know when, when you put your your friends or, or, or your workplace friends or or hierarchy in a church if it means you leave that church and you leave like I left the Roman Catholic system. I left that church. Of course people are not going to be happy with that. People who you knew. But the word for me back then was who cares. I want to serve the Lord. That's got to be the attitude folks. Especially in the day in which we are living. Let's go now to verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Again, the Lord is imploring souls. He, he, he's imploring souls to put their faith in him. Come. Come to the light. That's basically what he's saying. Believe on me. Verse 47. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The Lord, it says right here, he didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. Think about this. So has Yahweh, the word made flesh. Uh, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He, came, he became flesh and dwelt among us. His motive to save your soul, folks. This is the love of Almighty God. This is what he did. And he says, I didn't come to judge you. 
but to save you. But then he goes on to say, He that rejects him, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words, has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The very words that Christ spoke will judge you in the last day, folks. So here's the opportunity for salvation. But when a person rejects it, they die. They die in their sins. It's too late. Obviously, they'll spend eternity in hell. And the very words of, of, of Christ will judge you. They'll be ringing in your mind for eternity. Let's go to verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Look at that. The commandment is life everlasting, which is offered to you. No matter who you are throughout the world, you may be a man, you may be a woman, you may be young, you may be old, you may be uh, believing certain things today, you may be from uh, Africa, you could be in England, Russia, no matter where, the, the offer of everlasting life is for you. It's clear message that it's in Jesus Christ. Everlasting life is found in Him. Don't you ever forget what you heard today. And I'm going to end it right there, folks. You have a great day and be blessed in the Lord.